Hello, friends. We are interrupting Healing Hearts to remind you April is not just a month. It's a call to action. This month, we celebrate Volunteer Appreciation and Child Abuse Prevention Month, recognizing those who give their time and hearts to protect our most vulnerable. Every child deserves a life filled with love, safety, and normalcy. But sadly, not every child experiences this. That's where we, as a community, step in. Our amazing volunteers are the unsung heroes working tirelessly to advocate for children's well-being. They're the voices that speak up, the hands that reach out, and the hearts that care deeply. But the fight against child abuse needs much more than just appreciation. It needs action. This April, we invite you to participate in our efforts to protect children, provide them with the normalcy they deserve, and advocate for their rights. Visit www.speakupforkidspbc.org to find out what you can do to amplify the voices of our volunteer advocates. Remember to engage with us on social media. Participate and protect because every child deserves a champion and that champion could be you. Now back to Healing Hearts. Welcome to Healing Hearts, a podcast from Parents Speak Up for Kids. In keeping with the overall mission of 100% advocacy for the foster community, Healing Hearts covers topics of interest for foster children, foster parents, and those who advocate for both. We are today's hosts, Riley and Sophia. Today we have the honor of speaking with Palm Beach County High School teacher, Miss Christine Brown. Miss Christine Brown grew up near Amish country in Pennsylvania and went to school at American University in Washington, D.C. While student teaching in D.C., she taught many students from extremely disadvantaged backgrounds. Ms. Brown first taught in a Title I school and had a student named Faith who kept asking to come home with her. A few months later, Ms. Brown and her husband became licensed for foster care. After a midnight call, a social worker showed up with a three-year-old named Nevea, and that's where her foster care journey began. Could you share with our audience your background and journey as a foster parent? Well, it's my honor. I'm so amazed and proud that there's been this interest, especially among high school students in foster care, because it's, I think, trying to think when I got into foster care, it must be like 10 years ago. It wasn't talked about a lot. Now I see shows, I see it mentioned. It was for me 10 years ago at a faith-based event at church that the pastor who um, started talking about foster care. It really was not in our minds to do that. And I just feel like it was put on our hearts that we would get involved somehow. And we went ahead with the process um, of, you know, you spend, I'm trying to think how long it is, maybe a month of Saturdays. And it's a long Saturday of just learning this process and it's eye-opening. And then all of a sudden you're handing in all these this paperwork to do, and then you're licensed. And it really was like they said, a call at midnight and a little girl, three-year-old showing up at the door with a trash bag and a teddy bear. And I, I think it was a caseworker, but sometimes it's the police. So there's some great videos about this, about the journey of what a foster care kid goes through. And you know, she was terrified. And we were like, what should we do? We just had pajamas and we weren't sure what she'd come with. She was amazing. She clearly had an amazing mom. And that was also not what we were expecting. And and the range of parents, for many reasons, ended up here. Many are in recovery. Sometimes it 
is a misunderstanding as far as language goes. And sometimes it is exactly what we think, abuse or neglect. And she was raised so well. She was running my place in no time. And then it went to, hey, we have, you know, and I said, I'm just taking a girl because you can have a preference or of an age and male and female. So I said, a girl at these ages, absolutely no boys. Fast forward, I have adopted three boys. And um, then it was a matter of, hey, she got reunited. Mom did everything she needed to do. Amazing, amazing woman and story behind that. And it was just a couple months. And then, hey, did you want to do respite, which is watching kids for the weekend and possibly these kids may be what's called TPR, that their um, parental rights, it's termination of parental rights. So they're pre-adoptive and we really weren't sure we wanted to do that. Our journey was we really wanted to help women. Or That was my background, really, having family in recovery, that I really wanted my journey to be for short months that if a woman could feel like she was handing her children over to someone that was good, if she didn't have a stable family and to go through recovery, and I would be happy to do that. When she was finished, whatever she needed to do in a halfway house, I I'd basically, they'd be reunited. So I had that realistic expectation of the goal here of foster care is to reunite children and parents. That is clearly the goal. And foster parents can choose, hey, we want to adopt. And that's a different path, but our goal is to heal families, to be a support, kept a good relationship with mom. A lot of parents do, and sometimes that's just not possible. And sometimes it's really a difficult situation you're handing that child back to. But hey, next was like, uh, those boys really weren't for us. They ended up being adopted right away after their um, parental rights were terminated. And hey, you wanna, there's a boy and a girl said, I know you said a girl. And this is a very similar situation you're going to hear from foster parents. And I see, you know, okay, you know, there a lot of these kids, if there's no place for them, they may be sitting at a placement office. There's, I've gone down to help and paint and things like this and do things at the office. And there's a baby sitting on someone's desk until they can be placed. So I said, yes, I will take the two of them, um, short term, a boy or girl, went up to the home to see them in Loxahatchee. It's two boys. And those two boys, they are on a sibling set of 10. And can you, are you sure you can't take the third? Nope, nope. And that that was another journey that we had because eventually I would adopt those two brothers and the third. So our beginning was in foster care. It wasn't to adopt. It is, and it was a short-term, that could be up to a year to um, proposition how we got into it. That's, wow. That's a very intricate like story of how, You've come today as a foster mom, a mom, a teacher, and you have so much knowledge from that whole journey. And so we really want to educate our audience today, like potential foster parents, on what they can do to best help their foster kids during the school year. So our first question for you is, having all of this knowledge what would you say is the best way to get affordable back-to-school supplies? Because this is a big issue for a lot of parents and foster parents. Thankfully, there are so many organizations from Kids in Distress to Children's Home Society to other nonprofits and uh, churches and maybe even Boys and Girls Club. And I'm not sure if that's the case on Boys and Girls Club anymore. But there's many, many organizations that have wonderful back-to-school events. And they've gone from, here's a backpack and some uh, book bags to, and you can all relate to this, to the issue of socks. 
there is also some foster organizations that have closets for gently used clothes and also items that they may need. So when you're talking about back to school, you may be talking about, you know, still needing a car seat to get your, your young, your pre-K, your kindergartner there safely. So those are all extra items when you have the younger younger kids. So sort of on that note of, you know, back to school and everything, when can you start applying and getting all the materials needed? The the paperwork part is the challenge. You can get you can have all the supplies and things like that as early as you want, as long as you have a corner for them. But when when kids are coming, I mean it's really like you could get pajamas, get underpants, and get at least two outfits, right? Type of thing. And even back to school outfits. So if you know their sizes, because, you know, one of my sons is, that's the challenge. A lot of them, especially that are, can't go too soon with clothes because a lot of them that have had, you know, neglect and food issues are substantially underweight. Like my son, I just gave a boost to because he's in the five percentile. Vitamins, all of those types of things that, that you need that have, or let's say, are maybe special needs. But you can get that paperwork done, registering kids and the registration, all the paperwork behind it. If the kid comes with, if that child comes with some medical information, medication and things, that would be a miracle. That would be really ideal. But most likely they need to then get that doctor's appointment so that, and their insurance cards and things like that so they can you know, give that information not only to the school, but have a checkup before they get to school. So before they go to school too, can they be evaluated to see if they have a special need? Do they need medicine? For a lot that are born drug addicted, have medical issues and or, you know, ADHD issues, as well as then what therapies do they need? A lot of them need speech. If you're born with drug addicted to opioids, it really does hit the language processing. So a lot of them have not been diagnosed before, and that's a need that usually is not met. So as soon as we can get that evaluated, occupational therapy, if a baby hasn't been turned ever, it uh, the baby then at growing up has, you know, maybe not even be able to tie shoes, hold pencils, some basic things, of course, not been exposed to the ABCs. So if they can be phonics, communicated, not no communication, they need to be probably put into um, trauma therapy and have a psychological and educational evaluation. So we can see, hey, are they on grade level? Because most likely the answer is no. When you have a child then that comes as English as their second language, they may have all of the issues that I just spoke about. However, it's very difficult to evaluate because there's an additional language aspect. So typically in schools, they will be diagnosed later simply because it's the original language barrier. So the earlier that kids can be evaluated and that information passed on to the school, the better. That's very powerful knowledge because really diving into things and learning the foster children earlier is like a very good preventative for the future. So once you acknowledged all of the medical issues that your child has and you're aware of that, how would you recommend how to deal with the medication and the medical needs that your child has during the school year or in a school setting? Communicate it to the nurse, first of all. 
I think that in general, I see a, a bit of shame with some of the other medicines and some of the other trauma that the kid, that the child's been with, and they may minimize it to the school psychologist. You know, I'm fine, I'm fine, or not just feel comfortable opening up. It may take years for that child to, first of all, acknowledge, because there's a period of denial that all of that's going on. So that foster parent is trying to work through exactly what happened and piece together. In some circumstances, some of that, some of the, ch the children come with all that information, but in many, they do not. So it's really getting them, like asking that primary doctor, how can I get them tested for occupational therapy? A lot of times the, the primary doctor will do that, but there's a lot of things not known even within the medical community. And I even see the educational system that, you know, that teachers may or may not know. So if you can get the occupational therapy and the speech done at least outside of that evaluation so they can be passed on the school because, you know, my children came, they created their own language. They did not speak in, with any uh, consonants. They, they could communicate within themselves because it's a larger sibling group. So we had to have that speech therapy out intensive outside of the school. But eventually, once those more major issues were addressed, we can now have it at the school so that I waited in a waiting room for two and a half, three hours. So all three of them got through their speech grading papers. So if it can be done in the school, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and even, you know, a semi-regular meeting with the school counselor, that would be great. A lot of times the therapy, real intensive trauma therapy, though, were outside the school. The other two aspects, speech and, occup and occupational therapy, can be inside. So sort of on that note, I want to touch on just this topic. Where do you think a foster kid should go for support in a school setting? Whether that be with anxieties or maybe stresses, whatever they may be dealing with. And, and we can all relate to this. There's times where we're saying, I'm, I need a break. I need... I need a moment. I, I'm not, you can communicate to your teacher. I am not feeling so good today, right? And then there's just times where we just don't. And it may come out in different ways that we haven't communicated. Well, most, and that's being raised in a, you know, in a good household where those things happen. Most of the kids have not need to find a trusted, one trusted adult. It hopefully could be their school counselor because there's many wonderful ones out there or a teacher. Um, but is even if it's the gym teacher or a, a lot of times I found the, the science teachers, if they have a pet, especially for the little ones, if they can go visit the bunny, anywhere that they can form a bond because they most have not formed bonds. So just one person is all it takes. That's a, that's a very good point because a lot of people talk about, you know, you want a support system for your child and you want your child to feel like they're seen and like they have someone. But I just wanted to touch on, you know, you really do want to have a person or a teacher or faculty in general that are going to support your child. So how do you find a suitable school for your child that gives them that? You know, most of us have the school in the neighborhood there in the public school. I can say unequivocally, it is really the better with any special needs and, and individualized edu IEPs, individualized education plans. Um, private schools most likely don't address that need. But it's even to the point where you have either a person who's a kid who just comes into care that has gone through all this trauma is very introverted or sometimes the opposite, really acting out. Uh, so when they're younger, when they're a little bit older, 
And hopefully that someone somewhere can be that. It is really difficult for a parent in general to help their own children find that bond and find that one person. I would say it is asking that question and planting those seeds, putting that in that child's head that, you know, someone has had emailed me. If you get one email, emailed me and just asking about you because they want to know that someone likes them and someone feels that they're special. And and maybe it's us reaching out first to that parent and explaining that their situation. And I would say, you know, testing the waters, you know, they just came in from care. They're just, they've recently come to our household and, you know, see who kind of shows interest in that, that child, but it is a challenge for sure. Thank you for tuning in today for part one with our guest, Miss Christine Brown. The second half of this discussion will air in two weeks, so remember to tune in. New episodes of Healing Hearts premiere every two weeks, so follow us on Spotify and Apple Music. To submit a show idea, appear as a guest, apply to be an interchanging host, or for more information about Parents Speak Up For Kids, email parents at speakupforkidspbc.org. Until next time, remember that healing starts with the heart. You've been listening to Healing Hearts.